talk about America as a subject. I want to talk to you about what's next for film photographers. I want to talk to you about living in a van, which is going to be a new one for the podcast. But we're at episode 125. We're halfway to 250 when I didn't think we'd even reach six. So that's pretty amazing. Before we start anything else, the first thing we have to do is find out why it is that you became a photographer. So please tell me why you picked up a camera. I sort of started just like about a year and a half ago. Um, I kind of like, I found like some film negatives when I was a kid and I thought they were really cool in my parents' room. And then when I was like 12, I asked for like a Nikon cool pics or something like a point and shoot digital camera. I never really used it. Um, and then like a year, year and a half ago, I went to um, Joshua Tree with some friends for spring break. And um, I had had my dad's Pentax K1000 sitting in my room for like my entire childhood. And someone just told me to bring it. So I bought three rolls of film um, and just like loved it. Immediately fell in love with it. Um, one of the rolls was completely blank, which is uh, really cool. But, you know, um, yeah, I just sort of started. I, I brought the camera. I shot three rolls. I loved it. And then basically could never put it down since. I kind of got hooked. So it was your dad's camera, I'm assuming then in some way photography ran in the family. Yeah. So I didn't realize at the time, but like my dad had a little side hustle. Um, he, he was a surfer and he would shoot like surfers, um, in the Bay area and in New Jersey. And he would like go rush to develop them, come back to the beach and like put them on a board and sell them back to the guys surfing. Um, he was really into photography. He had like a dark room in his parents' house, which I didn't know until recently. And then, um, his grandpa, my namesake, uh, was a huge photographer. He has all this like Kodachrome slides, um, that I, well, he's passed away, but I recently found. So apparently it's been like in the family for a while, but I didn't really grow up hearing about it or doing it. Um, despite my dad having like, you know, folders and folders full of negatives. Do you, you know, was there a sort of a moment, an image maybe that you realized that, you know, you wanted to be a photographer or that you felt like a photographer when you were you know, the, the first few times you're out taking pictures, obviously it's fun to take the pictures. Usually for most people, those first few times out aren't particularly fruitful. Was there a point where you just kind of, it clicked and you were like, that's it. I, this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of photos from that first trip that like turned out pretty decent that I really liked the way that film looked. Um, I wasn't like in like the Instagram community or like looking at those like I hadn't really been exposed to it, but I liked the way the scans came back. And then, um, I took another trip to, um, Yosemite, uh, to the Tuolumne Meadows and took a bunch of photos of my friends. And I just love the look. So I don't know if I felt like a photographer, but I definitely just like really enjoyed it. I started thinking about it all the time. And I, I grew up playing sports, so I never did anything artistic at all besides like, you know, a ceramics class in high school that we had to take. Um, but all of a sudden there was like this switch and I just it was like instantly hooked. I honestly couldn't get enough. Um, yeah. One thing I did notice, okay, so to kind of jump in here, one thing I did notice is that you seem to be someone and maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being overly psychoanalytical and way above my IQ rating, but it feels like a lot of your images are about human influence on nature, but they never seem to involve people. So is that like a conscious effort? Are you trying to photograph like past human interaction with nature like in terms of like buildings that are starting to be overgrown or are starting to rot or are surrounded by an interesting landscape is is that something that you're doing intentionally like to exclude the people but to include their influence 
Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I kind of like the whole new topographic moment movement. I learned about that. Like after I started doing it, I think, well, I think there's two things. I think people love the like Americana, you know, sixties neon signs, motels. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. We fetishize it. Um, which is like a little wrong because obviously for a lot of people, you know, that time period was really, really bad. And those symbols might mean something bad. I, I did a little project um, in New Mexico. I talked to all these motel owners on this like route 66 stop and just sort of like asked them about the history. And I learned that like, you know, if a motel sign said um, American owned rooms, like that was code for no blacks allowed, like stuff like that. So, okay. but on, on the flip side, aesthetically um, I've always really liked that stuff. And as a kid, I, I mean, I, I always, I loved it. Like I loved even finding like an old sign on the side of the road and like trying to take it home and put it, you know, in my room or whatever. Um, there's sort of like the need to like preserve these things. Um, but yeah, I, I try to, I try to, um, I don't know. I just try to make a good image out of it. I don't, I don't know if it's as deep as you said, but I think the, the like topographic, um, land versus nature thing is is very interesting so do you start off from the point of view let's say you're out taking some pictures and you find an old sign or you find you know a service station or or whatever you find something that you want to photograph and it's it's got all the right aesthetics on the actual the item i guess the main subject of your image are you then just trying to find a way to fit as much environment in with that how do you go about working out your composition because obviously like the main image you have on your website is it's a, a fantastic image and I love the kind of asymmetry of it and so on, but it's, it's interesting the way that people approach scenes. Cause some people obviously like to go really tight and really pick out individual small details. You seem to be someone that's on much more of a broad scale. You like to kind of show, like I said, it feels like you're showing humans interaction with, with that environment. Do you work through a scene? Do you take lots of different versions of the same image to sort of see what works best with you afterwards? I heard you, uh, you were talking to somebody and you were like saying that sometimes people miss an image because the subject, like for portraits, the model is just looks so good that they don't, they work less hard to, you know, mm-hmm. to make the perfect image. Um, I rush way, way too much. So normally, um, and like, I'm, I'm for sure, you know, like I said, not qualified, definitely like, you know, not amazing, but I kind of go there. I, I just sort of like, I usually take one or two shots, especially on medium format. And I just sort of look to see what makes sense, um, compositionally. And, and I kind of wish that I would focus more on details and get in a little tighter, but, um, like for the image on the website, I think you're talking about the one in white sands, right. With the, yeah. the metal yeah, structure. So yeah. See, I just thought that I, I don't know. I just thought that would look really cool. It looked like a little family. It's like a trash can and two metal benches. Um, and there's sort of like, they're like a little lean because of just wear and tear. And I, um, you know, and they're in this like really, really vast, beautiful desert landscape. I don't know. I just thought it looked good, but I wish, I know people like Kyle McDougall, whose work is just insanely good. They really, really take their time and, I don't know, maybe I should slow down, but that, that's always been my problem is in a, especially with that Americana stuff. Like if I find a motel, I'll just think it looks so good. I'll spend like three seconds, like walking around trying to figure out what shot I'm going to take. I'll take it and I'll move on. Especially the like road trip style. You know, I see something on the highway, I flip around, I get out of the car, I take it, I get back in. Do you feel like 
that might be down to you just enjoying shooting more than enjoying the actual images that you get from it. Yeah, I think it's both because sometimes if I'm having a bad day, things are stressful at work, whatever, I go out in nature, I bring my camera. It's the weirdest thing. But if I start taking pictures, I feel better. Um, and sometimes they're, you know, they're decent. So most of the time they're crap. But um, I think it goes both ways because I definitely want a good final product. I definitely want to make the best picture I possibly can. Um, and I think, I think the rushing is more about trying to produce volume, like trying to get, if, especially in a place like a route 60 step six stop, like Len Rio or Tucumari, like I'm like just so enamored by it all. I want to capture every single thing I see. Um, and it definitely leads to a lot of misses, but that's sort of like the driver, you know, it's very subconscious, I think. Well, you're someone that's done maybe something that's not particularly common with Americans, which is that you have traveled quite a long way through America. Um, I do get the impression from my travels in America that there's quite a lot of people that kind of, they're, they're from say New Jersey and then they go to Vegas or they go to Florida in, in their, you know, their downtime and then that's it. And you've been kind of through a few different areas of America. I always get the impression America's somewhere that's like 50 countries that's just combined by currency and a love of fried food. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you feel like, you know, each state has its own identity and do you feel like you photograph differently depending on what state you're in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's some states where I, I love to take pictures, like especially in the Southwest and other places where I really can't. Um, I think America is so beautiful. There's just so many different landscapes. If you drive from Santa Barbara to Yosemite, you literally go from like a beach town through the desert to, you know, an Alpine uh, mountain. It's incredible. Um, I think certain things at least to me, just look a lot better on film, like in the Southwest. Um, I feel like I just, I just burn through rolls and then, um, someplace like Louisiana or, um, just like Northern California forest. I have a, a tougher time making images. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think they're all very different. I think you approach them differently. I also think like, cause I shoot only film. I think film stocks look different look better in some places versus others, you know? Right. So what's the film stock of California then? Uh, Portrait 400 for sure. It's got that sort of golden, you know, hazy, kind of dreamy vibe. And um, yeah, I think the same goes for the Southwest. And I honestly, like in, in, you know, the swamps of Louisiana or like Maine, I mean, I I don't know. I, I think I'm, I, I think I'm better in, in some places than others. And I haven't quite figured out what looks best in every place. What do you think? I mean, to be honest with you, I, if I could live in America, I would. Looking at, you know, one of the main sort of polarizing differences I've noticed is just sort of Northeast to Southwest. Um, although mm-hmm. they both seem to kind of control the country, they they have massively different attitudes and the people there are different. The The way people are kind of packaged into the area is very different. Um, and the sort of one thing I love about America and, and England could, and a lot of Europe could do with learning from this is that, you know, the second something's not being used, you don't have to rip it down. You know, it would be nice to just see really? a little bit of, of growth and history. Although that's funny coming from a European, it would just be interesting to see a little bit of recent history actually be allowed to exist without constantly ripping through stuff and just putting up something new that's utilitarian and incredibly ugly and boxy and, not fun to photograph. Yeah. 
What's the shift to New York like for you? Because obviously there's a huge difference in weather. You've basically moved to a slightly warmer version of England with the sort of the humidity <laughs> and the rain and whatnot. And, um, and especially in terms of perhaps how some people are on trains is probably fairly similar to how they are in England with the, the lack mm-hmm. of eye contact and lack of mutual respect. How, how are you finding New York? I mean, I, I love New York. I, I spent a little bit of time here a couple of years ago, but um, versus California and, and California's my home state. I love California, but uh, people here, I mean, maybe not as much New York, but definitely the Northeast are uh, a whole lot more friendly, um, polite, but there's also like New York is a little rougher. You can probably hear the siren right now, but um, <laughs> perfect timing. <laughs> Yeah. In terms of, in terms of photography, I haven't made too many images. I just met some friends who, um, they, or I just got introduced to them. They, they're photo students at Parsons. They're a little bit older, but I, I think, and I haven't really made many images. Like I'm not super into street photography. Um, I kind of feel like the Mamiya seven with like a 65 millimeter lens, just like, it's not really clicking. I like more wide open spaces. So I think what I'm going to try and start doing is making more like cinematic scenes at night, long exposure with, um, models and trying to make more like night scenes. Um, but like sort of my style of like landscapes with a motel or, um, stuff like that is, is definitely not really as prevalent. Um, and to what you said, I know you kind of, you cut this comes up a lot on, on the show, but like, I completely agree with you. I wish they wouldn't, they would stop ripping down, buildings and just leave them for a little bit because we have all these, all this architecture, especially in California from like the seventies, eighties and nineties, it's just boxy and ugly. And, uh, it's really a shame. I think that's part of the reason people want to preserve that, like, um, Americana aesthetic whenever they can and, and photograph it a lot because, you know, it's quickly disappearing. Well, I feel like design nowadays is a little bit like jazz in that the people that are doing the design work are really enjoying themselves, but the rest of us think it's fucking ugly. Um, and I wish that we could just get back to, you know, making stuff that it, it makes life a little bit more enjoyable and makes, you know, an office block look a little bit better or whatever. It's just, it's becoming a little bit frustrating. I think the worst is modern cars are just beyond ugly and uninspiring. You mentioned the word a little while ago, which was Americana. And obviously there's been a big kind of, I would say like a big rise in the popularity of Americana, especially in film photography community. Bit of a bit of a tough question to throw at you here, but what do you feel like the next step for Americana photographers is? Because obviously there's quite a lot of overlap in the subject matter that people are photographing. And there's, I think we talked a little bit before we got started here, there's a little bit of a danger of humans finding the path of least resistance and, you know, taking the easy shot as opposed to digging out and, and searching out the more interesting, but like hidden gems. You know, what's the next step for Americana photography? It's really a good question because it's quickly disappearing. Like the relics, um, from whatever the sixties or the seventies. Um, I really don't know, but I agree with you. I mean, I think it's great that people are exploring these beautiful places and they find joy in like, you know, documenting them. Um, it'd be great if we could get a little deeper past, you know, a motel sign and a gas station, Mm-hmm. Um, I think what could be really interesting is like recreating these scenes in like the weathered area. So if there's like an old diner, um, you know, throw some people in there with generic clothing and like 
either with like their modern hairstyles or whatever, or trying to do kind of like a retro thing. I think that would be really cool. Um, but I think the popularity of that is just because, um, it looks so good on film, you know, that vintage retro look. Um, it's just a great aesthetic. And I think it's cool that people like it, but I agree. I mean, it's, and everybody's guilty of it. There's just so much of like the same, you know, and it's, it's great to see people take different versions of it. It really is. Um, but there, there's gotta be a way to get a little deeper. Um, and I wonder what this is all going to look like in 40 years. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, Speaking of 40 years, I'm pretty close. I'm 32 now, and that seems to have gone by pretty quickly, although I think I've aged about 15 years this year. You are <laughs> early, I think you're early 20s, am I right? Yeah, yeah, 22. Early 20s, shooting film. Obviously, you weren't probably around the last time it was the only option, or you weren't at least aware that it was the only option pre-digital. You know, what do you make of the the rise of film the last few years? Obviously, YouTube's had a big impact. Instagram's had a big impact. And um, the rise of popularity of things like Americana has had a big impact. But, you know, as someone that's grown up in a digital generation and probably someone that knows how to use a TV remote to its full capacity, how do you, um, you know, how, how do you kind of, how do you put the, the rise of film? How does it work for you? Does it, does it make a lot of sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we're, we're all so constantly just like bombarded with our phones and our laptops and our tablets and um the the waiting you know unless you develop your film and scan it like right after you shoot the the waiting for your scans to arrive is just like a really lovely feeling and um i've I've always been more of an analog guy i mean that sounds kind of pretentious and i I promise it's not but like i was i always thought records were really cool my dad used to be a dj as just like you know hundreds of records at the house and um just like slowing down is really cool. Um, for me, I never even really shot with a DSLR. Um, I kind of need to learn, uh, but I think it's a really, really great hobby. It, it's made a lot of people more creative. Um, I think it's fantastic. And in terms of young people doing it, I really hope it's, I don't think it's a trend. I mean, I think it's, sort of trendy and people are jumping into it and like whether you want to bring like a point and shoot to a party or you want to you know start large format landscapes whatever it is like I, I think it's fantastic um and I think that young people are always looking towards like past generations for um inspiration like whether it's fashion or, or whatever and I think I don't know I think it's fantastic you know and I think digital is so competitive and there's so much you can do in Lightroom and Photoshop where, you know, there's, you can do a whole lot less with film, you know, you can scan it differently and you can sure you can like use Photoshop a little bit, but, um, you can't mess with the information too much. And I think that's great, you know? And I also think if you're the, the people who are really great at film photography, you know, they have to nail it and they can't, um, shoot in raw and, and, you know, crop a million times and edit a thousand times. I think it's simpler, you know, um, it's really gratifying. Something kind of dawned on me the other day, which is that if the, the sort of rise of film photography keeps going at the rate that it is, and potentially if a couple of camera manufacturers actually risk something and start producing a new film camera that could excite, you know, if you say Fuji jumped back into the, the film thing and just brought out like a limited edition rangefinder or whatever 
that could ignite a whole wave of people to get interested or take it more seriously. There's actually a legitimate chance that film outlives DSLRs because mirrorless are taken over from DSLRs, which would be really kind of bizarre that, you know, the two mediums that are going are things like mirrorless cameras, which are like fucking spaceships that can do everything for you or film, which is like so archaic. It's, it's just kind of really weird. The two ways in which it feels like photography is going. I think, uh, you know, a film will stay on the test of time because, you know, for a lot of cameras, you don't need a battery, you know, as long as they keep producing film. Um, I mean, you know, I, I love your work. I love your portraits, all of them. And like, I, I think that the timelessness of film in some of your stuff, the, the, the film portraits you take are just incredible. Um, I, I think it'd be really interesting if like Fuji put out a new film camera. Um, I really wonder what the reaction would be. Like, I know there's, a lot of instant cameras coming out. And like, if I mm. could choose like an old Polaroid or, you know, a Fuji Instax, I would definitely go with the old Polaroid. I think, I think part of film photography and people who maybe treat it more, more is just like a light fun thing. You know, I think what's so cool about that is you're using an old camera, you're using your dad's old Pentax or you're using this old camera you found online. Um, so I think it'd be really interesting to see what happened. I know like Hasselblad put out like a $60,000 camera and you can put a film back on it, but that's, you know, it's a bit different. That's yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, God, I, I hope film stands as the test of time. What I'd love is if Kodak, uh, put out more film stocks. So. Well, that, that should be the end goal. I mean, they, ju- they, they jammed their prices up a short while ago because of the growth and hopefully that, you know, we'll start to see, um, some dividends from that annoying amount of extra money that everyone's having to pay. Sticking with film photography, and I really hate to do this to you because basically you're going to be a victim of your own age here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna treat you as a little bit of a <laughs> guinea pig because a I don't like anyone that's younger than me because I like to think that I'm young and I'm not, and b it's actually interesting to hear someone at your stage of things and at your age, especially your age your perspective on, on certain things. Now you're part of a, a generation that's really technology savvy and obviously Instagram's a big thing. When I was growing up, mobile phones had snake on them. And then obviously my parents didn't have <laughs> mobile phones growing up. So, um, things go that way, but you know, Instagram's a big thing. YouTube's a big thing. And both of those, um, avenues have created a lot of cult like leaders of obviously different disciplines, photography being one of them. And there are names that become popular and then in a, in a sense, locally famous to a photographic community. Do you feel like, mm-hmm. and this again, a highly charged question, I do apologize, but do you feel like the, the kind of idolization of people through social media or through YouTube is actually good for the growth of photography in general? Or do you think that it could be quite inhibiting because you're going to have a lot of people try and emulate that person as opposed to find their own path. I think it's in terms of um, growth for the hobby, it's good in terms of growth for uh, original images or, you know, people's own individual creativity. It's not good. Um, I think it's amazing that, that these, you know, these guys like uh, Willem or Joe Greer or Kyle McDougall, I mean, they're all like incredible photographers. And I think it's, really great that they're putting out information and content. That's just like a entertaining, B informative. I'm not a huge YouTube guy. I don't watch a ton. 
it's definitely killing originality. You know, I think like in terms of idolization, if someone's an athlete, if it's Derek Jeter, you know, um, putting that person on a pedestal for their abilities is like one thing. I think photography is such a democratic medium. Like, you know, there are so many good photographers out there. I mean, incredible ones. And, you know, kind of like ranking them based on the popularity of their YouTube channel or their Instagram following, um, I think is, is wrong, but I think it's good because, you know, more and more people are picking up a film camera and, you know, trying it out. And I think that's really good. And I think that, you know, it's got a negative and a positive effect. If it's making people want to go out and take pictures and that makes them happy. I think that's amazing. Um, if it makes them think their own work is, you know, shit and they just wish they could be that good or they wish they had that many followers or something like that. Um, obviously that's unhealthy, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you and I were talking about this before the show started, but if there wasn't a like button, you know, what would that be like? Um, yeah. In terms of creativity. Well, I was kind of hoping that they would remove it and they would, well, not remove the like button essentially, but remove the count being publicly viewable. So, you know, what would you probably end up with is just lots of attention, hungry people sharing their own private documentation of how many people have liked an image or whatever. Um, I think human beings are very strange creatures. Uh, Instagram is a wonderful human study for a, a low IQ part-time psychologist. But um, right, yeah. th- that's, en- that's enough hard stuff. I've been mean enough there. So let's, let's just be nice from now on. When you're out shooting, are you shooting with a portfolio in mind or a particular project in mind? Do you, do you shoot with the intention of it fitting in with your previous work that you've liked or do you just go with what works for you at the time? Uh, it depends. I mean, when I was in, I drove like, we had like a three day or a four day weekend holiday. Um, this summer and I, I drove like 23 miles through or 23 hours, excuse me, through Montana. And I knew that all the work was like really cohesive and I thought it was interesting because I went through like sun and snow and rain and overcast. And, um, I was really conscious to shoot it on the same camera and the same film stock because I kind of knew that I wanted to like put that in a little zine. Um, but for the most part, I just try and make the best image with like what I have, you know? So, um, I was in New Mexico my first time in like a route 66 town. I know I keep bringing that up, but uh, maybe it's on my mind. But anyway, in the first time I shot it all with like the Mamiya because it was the best camera I had and it, it didn't work as well. Um, I got some really great stuff and like a whole bunch of garbage. And the second time I kind of, you know, chose my camera 35 mil or 120 based on what I was shooting. I slowed down a lot and the work was a lot better. Um, I'm, I'm working on a, I'm also going to start a project in New York, um, with a buddy with all the different street corners and, you know, I'm going to try and keep that really cohesive and, and use it on the same medium. Um, but for the most part, I'm trying to just make the best picture I can. Speaking from experience, from my point of view, and obviously completely different genre, completely different skill level, but um, speaking from, from, you know, down at my point of view, when I'm, when I'm working, I, I kind of focus really hard on setting myself restrictions because otherwise you start to kind of, at least I do, start to use either equipment or what I would just describe as bullshit as a way to kind of distract yourself from when something isn't working, working hard at it. You kind of think, oh, well, if I just change the lens, everything will just work out. Or if I just do this, or if I just do that, 
when in actual fact, sometimes it's about, you know, you kind of seeing the scene a bit better or you working harder to get to the point um, of what you want. And I, I, from teaching workshops in the past, I've definitely seen photographers that turn up with flight case upon flight case of equipment and then spend the entire time they're shooting, changing equipment around to just see if they throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick. Are you someone that sets yourself like restrictions? Obviously film has its own restrictions in terms of like number of frames and so on. But do you set yourself restrictions when you go out? Like you're going out for a specific image or you're going out at a specific, you know, goal in mind? Or are you someone that's, you know, that's you're you're one of the fucking normal people that isn't killing themselves with anxiety <laughs> and you can just go out and shoot for fun? Yeah, I, I think I try to keep like in terms of gear, I try to keep it really simple. And I'm definitely falling into the the category of like, you don't need a good camera to make a nice picture. And I say that, but I also own a Mamiya 7. So, you know, that's a little contradictory, but I try and keep it really simple. I don't have a ton of lenses. Um, I'm either going to shoot 35 mil or 120. Um, it just so happens that like, even in college, I was kind of like camping every other weekend and stuff like that. So I always, um, just brought the camera that I had. And for the, the longest time it was 35 mil or, um, like a six, four, five, which I just sold. But I, tr- I try and keep it simple in, in terms of lenses. I'm definitely not bringing two. um, you know, but I'm also not going from like a portrait session into, you know, a wide open landscape in Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did that, did that answer the question? Sorry. I think I kind of lost my train of no, thought. No, I get you. I get you. Don't worry. You're all good. I mean, when it comes to switching genres, I think that's where a lot of people kind of fall flat. And the biggest piece of advice I've given people when it comes to uh, the formative years of photography, when you're kind of just starting out is that you can do a few different genres, but really every time you stack another genre on top of your workload, you're limiting the growth of your skill because you're spreading your time between these different genres and you're doing a tiny bit of work on this one, tiny bit of work on that one. Whereas if you're just focused on one or two, especially if they overlap, then you're going to move forward a lot quicker. I work in weddings and portraiture. There's a ton of overlap there. So you know, when I'm doing portraiture work, I can be working on skills that I can then bring into weddings and vice versa. Maybe with a lot of a lot of younger photographers, I think one of the problems with you young people, now that I'm old enough to say something like that, one of the problems with you <laughs> young people is that you all think that you're all invincible and, and you're going to just fly for everything. And you start to learn when you become really bitter about 32 years old that there's only so many hours in a day and you need to focus up a little bit. Um, how seriously do you take photography like in, in the sense of how seriously do you take your work? Do you, do you see yourself as being like a photographer? Is that what you are as a person? I don't know about I am a photographer, but I think I'm really, really critical of my work. Um, I wish that I had started younger and I wish that I had like, you know, gone to art school or something like that because I love it so much. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really critical of it. I don't know how seriously I take it. I mean, I definitely put things out into the world that like I'll see it's kind of lazy almost, but I'll see like, Oh, I should have, you know, kept this border a little cleaner. I could have cropped it. And I don't, I think like the little imperfections, especially on the film, I think that's almost a good thing. Um, and I think that's like in terms of film versus digital, you know, you get these like incredible, but kind of computerized and sterile digital images, like, you know, um, Valley of fire state park, long exposure, super windy road, you know, it looks really cool. And like, it's like a perfect image. Um, I'm striving less for that and more for just like making something good in the camera. 
Um, I don't know how seriously I take it. I mean, I love it. It's, it, it's, I'm like so grateful that it sort of fell in my lap. I just took this camera on a trip and, you know, um, love it. But I don't know if I walk around every day, like I'm a photographer, you know, but I definitely walk around every day kind of trying to make pictures in my head. It's, it's, a, it's a sickness though, right? Once you start looking for light with a camera and start looking for scenes of a camera and you start looking out for color and whatever, and you haven't got a camera <laughs> on you and you're just supposed to be doing something else, you're like, fuck, that's a really good picture there. Oh, I, I, I would do it differently. One of the things that I noticed after I first started doing retouching on portraits was I would, and this is honest to God, this is absolutely 100% fucking true. I would sit on like a train going into London or when I was in New York or whatever, I would be looking at someone and I'd like be photoshopping them in my head. Like I'd be like liquefying them and spot healing them. <laughs> and it's like, I realized yeah. after a while that I was just fucking staring at people and probably look like a murderer. Cause I already look a little bit like a photo fit from a crime show. So it's not, not the best look. You mentioned to me when we first, when we first spoke, you mentioned to me, and I don't even know how to approach this. This isn't something that there's like a fucking roadmap for. You mentioned to me that you lived in a van. Mm -hmm. So do you want to just take me through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I went to, um, school in Santa Barbara, California, <clears throat> and I graduated early, um, and like saved the rest of my money for my loan and like had been saving money for a really long time to take a trip to, um, Southeast Asia. I was all excited about it. And then once I got into photography, I was, you know, 50 times more excited about it. And, um, you know, COVID hit and, uh, I was actually planning on moving to London. So I had like all these plans to like, you know, go to Southeast Asia and then go to London. And like, uh, it was, it's a kind of a mess, but yeah, I, um, I just took the money and, uh, got a van and, and did about a five and a half month trip, um, across the country. Never slept better in my entire life, you know, unless <laughs> I was like getting woken up by cops or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it was incredible, incredible, especially during this time of like, you know, COVID, um, the election, just like, you know, civil unrest, um, the black lives matter movement. And the biggest takeaway after like being in, you know, some, uh, rural areas, some conservative areas, liberal cities, I mean, literally everywhere, you know, the, the swamps of Louisiana to the border of Canada and Montana is like the majority of people that I came across were extremely warm and welcoming and kind and generous and would let me, you know, use a shower or like sleep in their lot or, you know, fed me or buy me drinks or whatever. I mean, people were so open and nice. And, you know, we, we talked about this before the show, but, um, you know, what, what's on the news is just so different than the reality. And like, that was my biggest takeaway. Um, and I kind of like had this feeling like, oh, I hate America, like fuck America, you know, for the longest time. And I, I feel that way about the politics um, and the social issues for sure. But it really is a beautiful country with such a diverse landscape. Um, and I'm really lucky I was able to go. Um, it definitely drained my savings. Um, <laughs> and I definitely lived like a homeless person for a while and didn't you know, went a long time without showering and like would, you know, like kind of eat beans and rice to pay for film and stuff. But, um, I also worked, um, worked from the road through it. So, uh, extremely lucky. And like, it was, uh, yeah, just definitely a really good time. Well, obviously something that people have said for the longest time is, you know, being rich with experience is better than being rich with money. 
and having having the opportunity to go and do things is much better than having you know just a ton of money that you're not doing anything with and you don't experience life do you feel like that yeah money um money over or memories over money for sure um especially now i don't know i'm 22 you know like i i had a lot <laughs> i definitely blew through it um or i didn't have a lot but you know i had savings and from working and all that and uh yeah i definitely think you should live you only get one one chance at life right so you might as well live it um yeah. I'd like to do it again. I, I just signed a lease in New York and it was like kind of a decision of like, do I get back on the road or do I settle down for uh, a little less than a year? So I, I definitely think that I encourage people to do that. And it was also a good time to do it. I was able to work from the road and um, yeah, I just feel lucky, you know, and I, I feel like I, I come from the Bay area in California, which is definitely a bubble. And it was just so interesting to see and, you know, have all these conversations and experiences with all these different people and you know, there was definitely a lot of bad or dicey situations or whatever, and, and a lot of good, but it was just so eye-opening because what I thought of, um, more conservative places or more rural areas or whatever is, is, you know, some of it was a lot of my, um, whatever previous beliefs were really true and a lot weren't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think that humans are really interesting and we, we don't give most people enough credit. Oh, hundred percent. And, uh, you know, it, to to ask you a question that's totally not for the podcast and just for my own traveling concern, w- what place surprised you the most or what place did you enjoy the most that you weren't really expecting to? Uh, Montana was great. Like some really, really small towns, um, Winnet, Great Falls, like the people are just, um, they're just kind. And if you, you know, it's kind of tough if you avoid certain conversations or topics, um, it's great or people will surprise you, but people are just so open and kind, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that way about Maine. I felt that way about, um, some places in the South, you know, Norman, Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I love the Southwest. I think I've heard before that you're a big fan of, um, like death Valley and, and, you know, areas near Vegas. Um, yeah. That was just great. Yeah. That was just super fun. Um, yeah. Palm Springs, all that Southeast California stuff is, is awesome. Well, Death Valley and, and basically anywhere out that way to me is just mind blowing because it's like the size of the country that I live in and it has, you know, the amazing weather, it has the amazing landscapes and there's a, a variety of landscapes throughout it. The last time I went to Valley of Fire, it actually, there was like a complete rainstorm. And, uh, oh, no the way. guy, that, the guy that was driving me out there, cause I'm terrified to drive in America, the guy <laughs> that was driving me out there who, um, I didn't know, but he was a tour guide. He was like a kid. He was so excited when it started to rain. He said that he'd been doing tours to Valley of Fire for like 10 years and he'd never seen it rain there in like, he'd never been out there when it was raining and uh, us out there was the first time. And honestly, it turned into like me being like a proud dad to this guy that was like double my age. And he was, he was running around with his camera taking pictures and he was like, Oh, I know where there would be a cool waterfall if we go this way. And yeah, I just, I, I don't know what it is. It's something about England's a very congested place. It's a very, very, we're all on top of each other. We don't like any, you know, no English people like other English people. No one likes the English. So it's always a pretty, uh, it's a pretty hostile place to live in a very polite way, but to come out to somewhere that has so much space and so much freedom. That's why I love 
Death Valley and, and Valley of Fire and, and anywhere like that. In fact, it was quite funny. Uh, the last time I was in Death Valley, I was just getting really pissed off because I saw one car in the space of about three hours. And I was like, God, this place is crowded. <laughs> There's yeah. an image of yours on your site. And it's, I, I, I dare to say, I think it's your best image, which I don't know what we would call this in England, but it definitely looks like a barn to me with some nice mountains in the background, lovely green area with a little bridge in front. Where's this image taken? Um, also, sorry, the site probably doesn't look great. I actually just made it. There's like four pictures on there. <laughs> it's, well, it's working for me right now. Don't you worry about that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad. Um, I really need to, to kind of get it together. Um, that's in, uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, and I actually just had, um, I think, I think you had him on the show. Alex Burke is a really, really cool dude. He just drum scanned that for me. Um, which makes it look like, you know, a million times better, but yeah, that's in Wyoming. Um, forget the name of the road, but, um, right as you're leaving Jackson and you're entering Grand Teton National Park, it's like the second right, um, I kind of got lucky with that one. I, I, um, I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. The tones are amazing. The coolness of the shadows, the warmth of the sun coming in. It's such a dynamic image. It's, it's really nice. I might have to talk to you about a print of that. Cause that's, that's also going to make my wife want to go to Wyoming. So that's probably just cost me some <laughs> money. Okay. Let's, let's, let's get into some self-evaluation here. This is always fun for me. Cause I like picking on people. What do you do when it comes to editing yourself? You, you've gone out, you've shot, you've developed, whatever you've done, you've got your scans back and you're looking through, how do you, like, how do you go through the process of picking what ones worked and what ones didn't? Do you talk to other people? You know, do you put stuff out and see what the general public see before you decide that something is good? Or are you just very confident in your own sort of sense of what you like? Well, I am uh, a little colorblind, so... I do ask like, um, some close friends, like, Hey, does this like, just look ridiculous? Like, did I just completely blow this or does it look good? Um, for the most part, I trust myself. I also, I was talking with a friend, uh, here in New York and she's like a really great film shooter and she's much more technically, um, savvy and knowledgeable than I am. And I kind of, I told her like what my editing process was, uh, which is very little. I don't throw anything in Photoshop or Lightroom. I mean, maybe one or two images to like, um, you know, make a small tweak, but I really don't know how to use either tool. Um, if I scan it at home, I'll like make a tiff and, and like maybe tinker around in an app a little bit, but really I work uh, closely with a lab in Oregon. Um, so I, I kind of just like tinker on a little app and, you know, every once in a while I'll check with a friend to make sure the colors look good, but I really just try and like recreate how I saw it. You know, the, I let like the magic of film, um, do the rest, but I, I don't have, it's ridiculous. I, I, I shoot with, you know, a really good camera. Um, and I don't even edit like properly. And I, I was talking about that with Alex, actually, he told me to just keep doing what I'm doing, but I, I might need to, you know, kind of step it up. I don't know. I, I think it's working from where I'm looking. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I just like, don't, I should probably watch like a Lightroom tutorial or something. I, I was never taught it. And, um, I, I just try to do more of it. I, this, that sounds kind of pretentious. I don't even want to say that, but I try and just like let the camera do it, you know, let the film uh, make the image inside of the camera and, and I'll tweak it a little bit, obviously, because, you know, scans come out flat, but um, yeah, you know, d definitely nothing too crazy. Just kind of tinkering. Well, one of the things that's been a real sort of bugbear of mine is uh, I'm not really, I, I'm not a fan of the, the retouching trends in portrait work and especially fashion. 
over the last few years, we've kind of sterilized every image to death. And it's, it's to me, it's a little bit disappointing because I'd like to see a little bit more humanity and a little bit more flaw in, in the images that are being put out from that side of things. So I've got no problem at all. If you, you I, I would actually agree with Alex and Alex is a wonderfully talented photographer and has a, a fantastic eye. I would probably trust him in what he's saying because it suits me and I will agree with anyone that just says what I think. <laughs> taking, a, taking a quick swing back towards kind of self-evaluation here, what do you feel like you need to work on most as a photographer? Where do you feel your biggest weakness is? Sometimes I do things that are like too, like, uh, it's not like copying other people, but like, I don't, I don't even know if I have like as my own style. Like I just try and take the picture that I think looks the best, but sometimes it's definitely influenced by other people. Um, or at least I think it is, I definitely need to learn how to shoot portraits. I'm, I'm just starting to do that. I'm shooting my first wedding, uh, in June. It was just pushed. Um, it was supposed to be in Vermont in January, which was just going to be a nightmare with like the snow and overcast sky. So I'm really glad it moved. I definitely need to learn how to take portraits. Um, and I definitely need to stop rushing. Like I'll find something that I just am so in love with. Like, um, I don't know, just like a Joshua tree or something that looks great. And I'll just kind of like fire off a shot and move on. And, and if I, you know, slow down and take my time, you know, we'll probably get more wins, but, um, yeah, I, I'm also trying to just like step into different lanes. Like I don't need like street photography is just a mystery to me. And I'm in New York now, which is like, you know, a pretty great place for that. Um, so yeah, I need to learn how to do that. And then obviously I've got to make you be positive as well. Um, I'm a big fan. So what's your, uh, what do you feel like your biggest strength is? I don't know. I mean, you know, some of the best, my like, this is going to sound like ridiculous, but some of my best things um, come from just like pulling over on the side of the road, like taking two shots and moving on kind of just like, like I think composition makes more sense to me than um, some of the technical stuff or some of the stuff in post. I think, you know, I see compositions pretty clearly. And if I, if it doesn't work, I'll either just like burn the film and waste the money, which is fantastic, or I won't take it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And in my composition style, maybe like, I don't know, maybe not everybody likes it, but I think I see things kind of like on a, you know, like in the grid and if they don't really make sense, I think that's more of like a natural thing, but you know, I sound like I'm, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound good saying that, but I think it's more of a natural thing or a subconscious thing like compositions, but I definitely take a lot of the stuff in the worst time of day. And I wish I had taken it, you know, in a golden hour light or whatever and, and better light and the pictures don't look as good. So maybe being more intentional is what I need to work on. But, um, you'd have gone down really well in, in London because you've got that, that perfect cadence of being uh, unable to say something positive about yourself without veering towards the negative, which is a wonderful British trait. It's, uh, it brought a smile to my face there. No one's allowed to be happy with who they are. That's, that's a wonderfully British thing. So well done you. We're pretty close to the end here and I'm, I'm obviously really thankful for you taking the time to do this. Um, I want to talk to you just very quickly though about this trip, this, this trip across America. I've spoken before to several photographers that do you know, landscape photography in America, or they do street photography in America or whatever. And they, they've have traveled uh, fairly extensively. And I'm always kind of fascinated. I know that there's a really wild statistic about Americans that don't have passports. What country would you go to? I mean, obviously you mentioned Asia and, and London, but let's, let's throw somewhere else out. You know, 
what countries do you want to go to 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 photograph? Because obviously America's got so much to offer, but there, there's a whole world out there. Is there anywhere else that really interests you? Yeah, I'd love to go to South America. <clears throat> um, I think that would be really cool. I speak a little Spanish, but like definitely not, you know, <laughs> it depends where I go actually. But um, I think um, I think it'd be really cool to go down there just because it's like a bunch of different diverse landscapes and there'd be a lot of different things to capture. Um, I would love, love, love to do that. Um, yeah. Where would you go? Oh me, I, I've been everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete nomad. I'm just terrible at photos. So, you know, when it comes to photography, I'm no use. So, you know, I can go anywhere, but I'm not going to come back with a good photo. I've, I've been to Death Valley five times. I haven't got a single decent photo there. So I could travel all I want, but it would be, it would be of no use from a photographic sense, but a lot of fun for me. But I would like to throw somewhere as a suggestion to you, if that's all right, because I do this from time to time because uh, I'm a sociopath and I do too much thinking about what other people get up to. Um, I really feel no, like with your color palette and your your composition, and especially like I mentioned before, this kind of, this sort of, how would I put it? Like the human influence without the people is kind of the way I see your work. It's like, it's always... It always involves some form of human influence, but it doesn't seem to involve the people, which I really like. I think you would do really well to go and photograph in Greece and Cyprus because Greece has wonderful light and it has incredible colors. And, you know, they're unlike us in Northern Europe, where we're all just miserable and sad, they actually get some sun and they do tend to enjoy themselves. Yeah. I feel like you could go there and take some amazing pictures of places like the obvious place, like Santorini or whatever. Um, but even the smaller islands around Greece and Cyprus, I really feel like that's somewhere that you would do, you would really do service to. And I think unlike, unlike a lot of people that are doing what you do, where they're, they're photographing America to step out and photograph somewhere that's, you know, completely culturally different, especially when it comes to, you know, like signs being a big thing with your work, you know, having, you know, different language involved. I think it would look look incredible. And then on the flip side, I do, th I would be fascinated to see photographed like rural Russia, but by God, that's a horrible thing to ask someone to have to do. But I would suggest Greece. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I would love to go to Greece, uh, like even just to, <laughs> to take a break and, uh, relax, but, um, no, yeah, I, I would love to do that. Thanks for saying that. Um, I will definitely try and get out there if we can ever, you know, leave the country again. <laughs> uh, just Mexico, the Mexican border was open uh, up until like just recently. Um, I was actually going to take a little trip down there, but um, yeah, no, that would be, that would be incredible. Well, Mexico is just America light. I want you to push yourself a bit harder. <laughs> okay. My last Fair. question, and it's really accusative and rude and horrible, and I'm, I apologize, but I'm going to end on a really sour note where me and you could potentially fall out here. But what's your problem with black and white? What's going on? There's just, there's not much black and white happening. And I feel like you could, you could definitely <laughs> do with some. I actually have so much, but I honestly am sitting on like from that trip and from um, like the first month of quarantine, I'm sitting on a ton of photos uh, and I have a lot of black and white. I love black and white. I think I ha I got to send these to you after the show, but I have a lot of black and white portraits on 35 mil. They're super grainy HP five. Um, I think they look good. Um, I don't really, some of my favorite pictures that I've taken on black and white, I just honestly haven't put a lot of them, uh, definitely on the website and I haven't put a ton on Instagram. I, I should, um, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, I like color, but you know, every once in a while I'll take a picture um, in the middle of the day and the light is just like God awful. Um, 
And if I drop it down to black and white, I think it looks even better. Um, so I don't know. I should, I should honestly put more of it out there. When you were at school, there were those, you probably had them in America, I'm sure. In England, we have them where they, they put on like a video and it's like, you know, people are going to try and pressure you into doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. You know, people are going to try and pressure you into taking drugs or, or whatever, or drinking right. underage. And, and it's like this, like, you know, don't give in to peer pressure. Well, well, I'm peer pressuring you into posting some black and white. So now you have to do it. Okay, otherwise deal. you're not cool. Fair enough. Yeah, no deal. Uh, I love the peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll do that. I think, um, I think maybe it's because which is, this is bad. It's unhealthy. We're not unhealthy. It's just like not a great habit, but like, I think maybe I'm just either more attracted to the color or I think people won't like the black and white as much. Um, my grandma like roasted me when I first got into medium format, like, you know, whatever, eight months ago. And I took a lot of stuff in the desert and a lot of it was black and white. And she said it was really depressing and really sad. And she was like, can you, if you're, she was like, if you're going to show me a picture, can you please make it happy next time? I was like, okay, fair enough, grandma. Um, and you know, maybe that's part of it, but, um, no, nah, some of my favorite stuff is in black and white. Um, and my, I just did like my first, uh, like portrait session and I did it half in black and white. And I think the black and white looks better. So um, deal. I'll, I'll put some of it online. And if, uh, if you're the only person who likes it, you know, at least everybody knows why. Well, on the subject of getting roasted by a family member, I do remember, uh, when I first started doing portraits and I showed a particular member of my family, one of the portraits that I'd taken of a model, she just stared at it, turned to me and said, who told her to be a model? <laughs> And that was like, that was her feedback was just that the model was ugly, basically. So family can be fun. It's funny. Like I, my friends are not, most of them are not into photography. Like I'll see like one little problem with my photo or I'll like, whatever, this hue is wrong. Like this, these colors are off or whatever. And like, I'm so, and it's so funny. Like most people, like they'll look at a photo and like, oh, the model's ugly or like, oh, it, it looks good or it looks bad, you know? And, and like, people who are really obsessed with this are so critical and um well that's the thing right 90 percent of what you give a shit about as a photographer the general public doesn't even notice exactly or you obsess about it like you know it just drives you nuts like i can't believe i butchered that i took one frame or i took two frames i butchered it um and like everyone else is like nah dude it looks great you know it's uh it's funny but it's a great thing it really is well, do you know what? It's been so much fun to talk to you, but the most important part of the podcast, the only reason it exists is for us to tell everyone where they can go and find your work so that they can like something that I like and I continue to influence everything around me into just being what I want it to be. So where can everyone go to find your work? Instagram, website, etc. Yeah, mostly Instagram um, at the colorblind cowboy. Um, there's like a uh, underscore between the and colorblind and another one between, um, colorblind and cowboy. My website is just Um, I'm trying to put out a zine, uh, and I'm just going to like print it to people who order it. Like, I just think it'd be so amazing. It would mean so much if people would, um, you know, keep it in their house. I feel like that's just like the most amazing thing. And so I'm going to put that up there, um, pretty soon. And yeah, stallrapson.com or at the colorblind cowboy. And, um, Chris, you know, thank you so much. Like I said, um, before we started, uh, I'm definitely underqualified to be on here, but thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun to talk about this and yeah, come say hi on Instagram. I'd love to chat about photography or whatever else. So thank you so much. Well, it's been a treat to have you with the exception of the fact that you're 10 years younger than me. 
and take better photos. <laughs> You're a wonderful person. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll talk to you later.